All right, I want to bring everybody back. Uh, 11 years ago, after my accident, I was laying in a hospital bed, and I just, you guys, a lot of you have heard the story, but I was, I had just been in God's presence, told that I was going to be healed and given a second chance, but this is now three days later, and I'll, I will never forget this conversation. As a matter of fact, I had post-traumatic amnesia for the five weeks I was in ICU. I literally have three memories. This is one of them. A neurosurgeon walks into the room, and I'll never forget, I, I can tell you everything about him. Dr. Van Gilder was stitched in red on his white lab coat, and uh, it said neurosurgery underneath it. And I'm laying in bed with IVs all over me, and my my wife Donna sitting next to my bed, and he starts explaining that they have to do a craniotomy, basically take my whole skull off and do all this brain surgery because of, there was this incredible damage. And he's not looking at me, he's actually looking at Donna as he's describing the surgery. And here's what I'm hearing laying there in the bed is that the, the chances of a successful outcome were not good. And he even said specifically to, to Donna, the chances of me being the person she remembers after all this is done is very low. But then he looks at Donna right in the eyes, because uh, I remember he wasn't looking at me, and he asked if I had a will and if I had a living will, more importantly. And I'm like, oh, boy, this just got real. And Donna said, well, you know what? We just redid our entire estate plan. We were supposed to sign this as soon as John got back from this trip. And, you know, the attorney has the new documents. And he looks at her and says, listen, we can wait a little bit. Can you please call your attorney right now and have it faxed up here so John can sign that before we go into surgery? And I'm like, and so they left the room and Donna went and that's actually what they did. They got it faxed up there. I signed it. I don't even know if that's legal. I was totally out of my loopy out of my brain, but I'll never forget. I was laying there in the bed and my first thought was, are the kids, my wife, are they going to be okay? I was thinking financially, right? Money. Do we have enough in savings and retirement accounts and investments and insurance? And I went through that whole process. I'm like, you know what? They'll be, they're in a good place. But so, you know what? That's inheritance. But then I started thinking of this concept of legacy. I'm like, oh my goodness, if I die, I was 45 years old, what have I left in my wife? What have I left in my kids? What have I left in my friends? Have I, what have I left in my community? Have I lived a life so the use of my life would outlive my life? And I started playing the tape of that funeral. And at first, guys, it felt so good because you know what? Kind of a guideline, right? You, you only invite people to the funeral who are going to say nice things. Right. That, I mean, that's kind of a rule, I think. Right. So I was kind of basking in all these things that would be said. But then I started thinking, what would they say at the back of the church? You know, when they're all rooting around for the roast beef sandwiches and potato salad about what my life meant in their life. And then, you know what? It started getting a little real for me. And then I started thinking, hey, what would my friends from college and my business partners and my kids think two, three, four, five years later? And folks, I was so convicted that. I hadn't lived, I had lived a life that served me. Um, I hadn't lived a life that was going to be something that really made an impact long-term. And it was that memory, that moment that God used to guide the last, everything I've done the last 10 years of my life in such a beautiful and amazing way. And I get to work with leaders on how to create that legacy. And I got to share with you, we have a very special guest today, uh, Sharon Wood. Sharon, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thanks, John. I'm glad to be here. Now, I think we've, I've known your husband, Sean. We went to college together. We're fraternity brothers. We were comparing notes. I think it's been 38 years 
when I met Sean. So, wow. so you and I probably know each other for 30 years. And I got to tell you, folks, I was so impressed with Sharon. Um, Sean started Stewardship Advisory after this incredible career as an entrepreneur. And uh, Sharon had this rockin' corporate job. She was crushing it. And and then, but she started working with Sean. She started thinking also about legacy for herself. And what does that look like for their own family? And they they have amazing kids. Our kids went to high school together and we've got to know them through that. And I want to I want to share with you a little about Sharon because folks, we're, we're going to be talking about legacy today. How to create one. What does it look like in your family? What does it look like relationally, spiritually, financially? Right? A lot of us think about it from a financial perspective, but it's so much more than that. And then how does that extend out into your community? Now think about if you were just what what are the possibilities if you said, okay, I actually got to design what this looked like. And, and I could even enjoy it and live in it even two, three, four, five years out, okay? So a little bit about Sharon, right? Today, uh, you've just done some incredible work. I'm, I have so much respect for how you've prepared yourself for what you're doing now. But you you work to create these custom solutions. You work with these families. You have this incredible process to really transition and do it successfully, which most families don't know how to do. Their wealth, their stories, their values, their vision, and their leadership to that next generation in a way that that next generation then can transfer it to the next generation, right? That's why the, you know, my company is called Beyond Influence. Man, that, that think about mom and dad, you know, impacting, leaving a legacy beyond their own influence. That's when the grandkids and the great grandkids actually know their name. Like I know my grandpa's name. And I knew he came from Norway and I knew, I knew a little bit about him. Right. But what I saw was the thumbprint that he created in my dad's life that had a profound impact on me. Right. That honestly, that there is such a rich legacy of faith and family there. But um, so you started recently uh, Generational Family Wealth, Sharon. Now, this was after 14 years. You were the national director of leadership at T Mobile. Right. And you had incredible leadership and development skills there, working with families. So what I want to talk about today is, uh, first of all, for you, Sharon, like this step, I, maybe I, I'd love to start here because I'm just so, I love stories like this, right? 14-year career, you're crushing it, right? Uh, you're at a big corporation and you're like, you know what? I'm going to walk away from safety, security, a paycheck, and comfort because you have such a passion to create this generational impact. And I'd love for you to maybe talk about what led to, I think all of a sudden you're, you're just listening to God speak and go, oh boy, I'm gonna have to pivot here. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, back in February of 2021, I was actually at a retreat. Um, my friend, Michelle Spadafora, I know that you know Michelle and Jeff Spadafora. Jeff has a men's group called The Way, and Michelle has The Women of The Way. So we were on a retreat. We were talking about our purpose, and we were talking about strengths. I'm also a certified strengths coach, so I had done a little session for all the women with us, but then I was reflecting on my own strengths. And I had my friend, Amory, pray for me because I was pretty stressed out. I had felt like I had done all I could um, at T-Mobile, um, we were in the midst of COVID. We were in the midst of a merger with Sprint. We were in the midst at that time of all of the racial injustices and violence that was happening in the world. 
And I felt like I had done what I I could do and, and that I had had a positive influence on thousands of leaders at T-Mobile. And after my friend Emery prayed for me, I had almost like an epiphany. And I thought, you know, Sean and I have a plan. As you mentioned, he's a financial advisor, right? So of course we had a plan for when I could ramp down and leave T-Mobile. And that plan was not for another year at least. So the next morning I woke up and I looked over at Sean and I said, Sean, what would have to be true for me to leave my corporate job now? And I say that because if you say what would have to be true, it's not a yes and no, is it? it ha- there has to be a thoughtful answer. And I was fully expecting him to say, oh, no, 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 we have a plan. This isn't going to happen. And here's why. And this is what would have to be true. You know, you'd have to win the lottery or something crazy. But instead, <laughs> he said, okay, let's do it. And I just felt like not only had my friend's prayers really helped me, but I feel like in some way, God maybe also spoke to Sean and gave Sean a sense of like, this is, this is okay. This is important. And, you know, Sharon has a passion to help families and individuals make sure their families stay together and that their great, great grandchildren know who they were, but not just who they were, but what mattered to them, what their values were, what vision they had for future generations long after they were gone. And so it was scary to make that change. As you mentioned, you know, for me, I'm not quite the same type of risk taker that my husband is. It was scary to go from a regular paycheck, bonus, stock options, to being an entrepreneur and having to set my fees and having to build my business and having to market my business and having to take a huge leap of faith that God will provide. And and it's I don't regret it and I never look back. So, you know, there's a lot of people listening, Sharon, that I think have either been in that same spot, they're still trying to figure it out, or they have this thing on their heart. I was actually just talking to my wife, Donna, and she's got all these ideas. And But just taking that first step, like you've never been an entrepreneur before. You're like, okay, you know what? And But I do need to you know, help provide for the family. What, what was your thought process that allowed you to start taking those steps into what you're doing now? Yeah. My thought process was, I have to equip myself. I've always been someone who, if I set a goal, I am going to go after it. I'm, I'm going to be pretty focused. But one of the things that's really important to me is credibility and feeling equipped to do the job. So the very first thing I did was find an organization, and it was pretty hard to find. This is a very unique business model that not a lot of people are aware of or even know that they need it. <laughs> And so finding or when you say that in what in what you mean by this is that's really legacy coaching, creating understanding family heritage. What does it really take to pass Mm -hmm. this down? Because the generations, there's there's so many differences. Some families are healthy, some families are not healthy at all. But mom and dad get to a point where they're like, you know what, this this isn't what we wanted to create. Or we've created something great, good, but we really want something amazing. Right. So this area of coaching really is a a, a very unique niche, right? It is. It is unique. And it's I would say most most families kind of just go into auto drive. 
they're not necessarily intentional about this. And so finding an organization that could equip me and train me to do this type of work was a huge first step for me. That gave me a level of comfort because I know through all my years of you know being in charge of leadership development at a huge company that if you have the will, then providing yourself and equipping yourself with the skill is like the magic combo, right? And mm-hmm. so one of the first things I did was set out to equip myself to do this and to do it well. And something interesting is, you know, the um, the company um, who I've been going through the training with, I'd say 90% of my peers that are going through the training with me are financial advisors. I am one of the few where this is my singular focus. So they're financial advisors who are also trying to do this legacy planning work. And I feel um, grateful that I can make this my singular focus in partnership, of course, with my husband, but really any financial advisors who are looking to partner with someone that does this type of work, I can partner with them because that's not my business. I know you have taken this from a completely from a place of a kingdom focus. And yes. and, and I'd love for you to share a little bit so people can kind of understand the process. Because when I was talking with you and Sean about this earlier, you said, you know what, for me to do this for other people, well, we got to start with our own family. Let's see if this whole process, and by the way, folks, what, what Sharon has done is two years of training. This is like master's doctorate level work. This is not uh, like a, a, a course that you take for six weeks and get a certificate. Right. Uh, it's, some, it's deep work. But can you share a little bit about what this process has been like in just with, with you, Sean, and the kids? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I felt like um, going back to credibility, I thought, well, gosh, I can't, you know, I can't tell people (laughs) or recommend people to do something that we haven't done ourselves. So, yeah, it started. Sean and I first um, had my coach come in and, and interview us and we documented our stories, our lessons that we've learned in our lifetime, you know, what our um, values are in the form of stories and what our vision is for our kids and their kids and the great-grandkids and so forth, right? Our extended family. And that really got us interested in, okay, well, if we said that we want our family to stick together, have each other's back, support each other no matter what, then let's bring the family into it. Let's bring our kids. They're 20, 23, 26 years old. They're adults. So we went through what we call a family alignment milestone meeting. And in that meeting, we were very intentional, making sure that our children felt seen and heard. Because when you go, you know, when your kids are little, you have to be almost the dictator. You're making the decisions for the family. And so part of this family alignment milestone meeting that we go through and that I now facilitate is to show the kids that what they have to say matters and that they're in a safe environment and that we their opinions count. And so we came up with our shared family values and the vision that we had for our family. And so that is a process of finding the commonality between you know, the intersection of our values, our children's values, and finding that sweet spot that we all agree on. And from there, we said, okay, if this is what matters to us, then what are we going to do about it? And that's where the kids came up with ideas on projects and things that we could do as a family. And they took the lead. 
And some are big and some are small, but the whole point of it is to show them that, you know, we believe in you, you can do this, and we support you. And so it's a it's a small step in that transition of leadership that we talked about. Now, going into this process, did you, was it your hope or uh, that the kids would be like excited about this, really engaged, or were you like, oh, I don't know how they're going to respond to this? Like the fact that you ended up with them, you know, uh, engaging and yeah, this is what we're going to do about that. Like, yeah. Wow. Like, what were your thoughts? Like, I, I could hear a lot of people going, oh, that sounds great. I don't know if my kids would really engage, but I think it's how you get, how do you almost enroll them in the process, create a safe place for everybody to share? Because in a lot of families that that place has not existed. I'm sure there's some coaching around that, but then you get to a place where now um, not only there's alignment, but alignment then leads to engagement. And that's what you did. But I'd, I'd love to almost hear that moment, maybe where you guys were uh, observing that and going, okay, wow, th this is cool. Yeah. Yes. I think it's pretty typical um, in this very first meeting, our family and other families, where the kids are like, okay, we'll do this for mom and dad. Part of the key to that, though, is as a coach, me having individual conversations with the kids ahead of time. What are you expecting? Do you know why your mom and dad want to do this? You know, it's showing them right off the bat before we're even in a room together mm -hmm. that they have a voice and that this is not about mom and dad dictating what's going to happen that day. And there's coaching that goes to mom and dad, right? Sit back. Don't be the first to speak. You know, and you're right. If that hasn't been the model of your family, it's not that easy. And I think by allowing the kids to be the ones that are helping define what matters to the family for allowing the kids to define the projects they might want to tackle, then you automatically have more buy-in. And it can actually, you know, one of my goals is to make sure the meetings are fun, that this whole process is fun. Nobody's going to want to come <laughs> or participate if it's not fun. And just a real quick, funny story. Um, you asked if there was sort of an aha moment. I had coached the facilitators of our meeting because, of course, I'm not going to facilitate my own meeting, but I coached them. I said, look, our youngest has some learning disabilities and she may need more time to process. And so just, you know, she may not be the first to chime in. So we go into the meeting and the brilliance that came out of our youngest daughter's mouth and the ideas that she had and the confidence that she had, we were blown away. And it's like, wow. I can just hear the joy in your heart, Sharon, as you're, share, as you're sharing that. Yeah. And I thought, gosh, we have already labeled her and put her in a, a category and not let her shine, especially when you're the youngest. It's just kind of natural, right? You're following behind. And so I use that. I use that now with other families to, you know, coach them to allow things to happen. But, and so my job in these, in the process of this work is to make sure the parents shine and to make sure that the kids shine and to set everybody up for success. And it's just been such a cool process. And, it, and it's not a one and done. My, our family is still going through it. We still have work that we're doing and we hope it just continues forever. My son, this was another kind of warm my heart moment. My son the other day said, hey, I was talking to so-and-so and I think their family could really benefit from what you do. And I thought, my son is recommending what he went through to other families. I mean, that's the biggest, you know, 
compliment or um, reinforcement of that what I am doing is valuable. You know, so having gone through this with your family, let's just say looking back from from what you know where you where you all are even now. I know it's ongoing, but what has this process done for your family? Let, let's just start with that. Yeah, one of the things it's done is it has allowed us to be intentional about recognizing each person's contributions to the family and their talents and their strengths, and we leverage that. I'll give an example. We were talking about, you know, in the future, if we had a family gathering place, you know, where would that be and what would that look like? And we realized, like, wait a minute, our son Dylan, one of his top strengths is futuristic. He's always dreaming. He's always thinking about the future. Let's bring him, like, let's let's hear from him. Let's pull him in. And the other thing that it's done is that when we are together, Sure, we have fun and we, we you know, we do all the normal things, but like at Christmas, we said, okay, let's carve out two hours and let's revisit, you know, the business of being a family and let's revisit our mission and our vision and let's talk about how things are going. And that's not something we used to do. We were just kind of on auto drive and just, you know, hang out and have conversation. And well, eat I got to tell you, Sharon, you know, I've been, you know, this whole process and growing and, and a coach. I have never sat down with my family and gotten to a place where they'd be willing to engage in a conversation like that for two hours. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just imagining the possibility because I, I, I want to do this with my family. But everybody out there listening, imagine if your family got to a place where you, they would want to spend two hours together talking about, right? And and you're also, uh, so that's man. Thanks for just that right there. Wow, imagine the kind of family unit that you you come together to a place where you look forward to that. Exactly. And you hit the nail on the head. They wanted to have the two hours, right? And and so it's just it's so subtle, but it's when when the ideas are coming from them, then of course they'll be excited and bought in. And we just kind of sit back and smile and go, wow, this is good. This is good, you know. If, you know, if I'm gone tomorrow, I already feel better about how my family will proceed without me, even though we've only just begun the process, really. Yeah. Now, when you've worked with um, other families, have you, you know, uh, I would say knowing your family, you guys were, had some really good dynamics going, mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, what's been your experience? Do you have any other stories from maybe some other families you've worked with? Yes. You probably heard the statistic that, you know, 90% of families fall apart after three generations or the wealth is gone. There's some debate on that number, but we've all known. I, I think that's pretty, you know, I, <laughs> after, after you told me that, I actually did some research and, and it, you know, it's pretty fair. So anybody that, you know, has generational money, right, yeah. you know, you can leave your kids. By the time it gets to the grandkids and then they're adults, mm -hmm. a lot of that heritage, that legacy, the how that money was created, the the values, the work ethic that were behind creating what maybe the some of these families are known for yeah. has largely just kind of almost dissipated, mostly because the family, they didn't know how to be intentional yes. up front to create something that had a high probability of lasting. Right. And even families where there's, I've heard stories, and you've probably heard them, two brothers that aren't talking to each other over a thousand dollars or 
you know, an aunt and uncle that don't talk anymore because of one thing that was said. So yes, there's a financial element to it, but there's also, you know, families just falling apart. Um, but the research also shows that, you know, what went wrong, 60% of the time is communication and trust. So that is something that is a top priority for me when I'm working with other families. So I've been working with a family um, and they have an interesting dynamic in terms of uh, three very quiet analytical people and two very extroverted persuader. So we, in our first gathering together, we spent quite a bit of time on communication styles and communication skills. Because what was happening is those two more extroverted persuaders would take over the conversation. And remember, the whole point of this is to make sure everybody feels like they have an equal voice. And so creating a safe environment where that family would feel like every single person has an equal voice was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> but creating the awareness and being able to name and describe their different communication skills, and it's actually a really fun process. It's a really fun part of the meeting. Um, and to have each person at that table contribute and say, for me, when you communicate with me, this is what I need. And they each said, you know, you go around and talk about, okay, now you know my style. Here's what I really need in communication. And even just that act of doing that. I mean, I feel like in business and corporate world, there's a lot of training that goes into how do you work together as a team and how do you communicate as a team and how do you leverage each other's strengths as a team? But in families, it's just kind of left to chance a lot of the times. Or you just go, oh, that's mom. She's the talker. And you just leave it at that. And meanwhile, well, you know, it's making me think, too, we, we don't often write a lot of it like your leadership training for so many years has so prepared you to do this, because I'm actually thinking this is something I actually learned by accident is I noticed this pattern that some of the most those introverts, those people that spoke last always had some of the most brilliant ideas. And I realized that on a team, I'm going to have verbal processors and I'm going to have people, those internal processors. And I actually researched it. It'll take 10 to 15 seconds for somebody that's wired that way to think through everything and come up with maybe a coherent question or a statement. So I actually started sharing at the end of when I asked a question, you always had the people you know you knew were going to contribute. But then I'd say anybody else. And I would literally count one, 1,000, two, 1,000, up to 10 in my head. And almost virtually every time that one person would go, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, boom, mic drop moment. But we don't think about taking those things that we learn in business. I love what you just said and bring it into how we work with our family and our yeah. kids and even our spouse and so forth. Yeah, I feel Sean and I were just talking about this. I feel like God has prepared me for this role since the time I left college because I was a consultant mm -hmm. at Accenture was Arthur Anderson at the time I would do consulting at Pricewaterhouse. Then I had this leadership development role. And I am using all of that right now. And even though it, I was 54 years old when I made a career change, I was like, all right, God, I got you. You had something in mind for me. And I do feel uniquely equipped because of all of that experience. Now, let me ask you. So you're with this family and you start working on communication. You start building trust. So based on the family, you're going to look at, okay, there's some foundational things that we're going to have to work on before we really go through kind of the next step of the process. Is that fair? 
Yes and no. So I'll give you an okay. example. Um, <clears throat> we had just met over Zoom actually a couple of weeks ago. And um, the mom was saying how she felt so disappointed because she thought her kids were going to help her plan this trip. That was one of their projects was, hey, mom always plans the trips. The kids are going to step up this time. Transition of leadership, right? Let them plan certain elements of the trip. And she on this meeting, she's like, well, I'm really disappointed. I feel like I did so much of the work. And so we had to pause and I said, okay, let's talk about this because disappointment, the definition of disappointment is when expectations and reality don't align, right? So were there expectations that on both sides, did you, you know, were there expectations that were set of the kids? Like, what does that mean? Help plan the trip, right? How do, when yeah, that's a very like, loose term on help plan very the trip. Loose. That could be, I'm encouraging mom. Yes. So what you're really talking about is when we're having things to do, we need to be in agreement on what that is, what it looks like, because one of the most frustrating things to me personally is unmet expectations. And every time I get frustrated, I look back and go, well, you know what? We had a completely different version of either success or we never even defined it. Therefore, how can I then hold them accountable? I'm just right. frustrated. Yeah. And the beauty of that moment was, yes, there was a task at hand. There was a trip to be planned. But what I was coaching, remember, I want the parents to shine and the kids to shine. What I was coaching in the moment was, yeah, there was a task at hand, but let's go back to the communication dynamics. It's something that we will always revisit, right? It, it's just it, when you're not used to being intentional and your family has been a certain way for a long time, you have to have sometimes those in the moment learning where you hit pause and say, wait a minute, let's talk about what's going on here in this dynamic. I am not a family therapist, to be clear. I'm simply talking about skills that I am working on with them and that we've talked about and that we've done development around and reinforcing those. Yeah. And okay, so you saw this. And so now you're actually helping the family as you're going through the process mm -hmm. just with that, right? That then helps you build that trust, change the communication Hey mom, what would have what would have actually you know felt good to you? Hey kids, yeah. right? So now what you're actually doing and what you're highlighting to me, Sharon, is how important that it is to have somebody outside the family come in. Yes, there's so much <laughs> dynamics there. But if somebody who's coming in, a those first couple of meetings, we're going to be on our best behavior, but um, yeah, typically. <laughs> but then also though, if you can point out the patterns in an encouraging way from a place of yes curiosity yes. from a place of helping the family get to a better place, right? And you're helping to reinforce this sacred space that guess what? For, you know what, this is a safe place for us to share, right? You're watching people as they react and, and using that to build on. Have you found that to be true also? I think this would be hard to do solo. Oh my goodness. When I first got started the training, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just facilitate my own family meeting. And then <laughs> after I went through it with you know, having two other people facilitate it for us, I was like, that is just not even possible. That's ridiculous. You know, you have to be willing to be a participant. And you're right. You need someone who, A, that you trust. So that's a big part of what I do. I have to earn the trust of the family in order for them to allow me to see them not on their best behavior and to allow me to step in and provide some encouragement and coaching. So building that trust is critical. But no, I, I don't think you could really do this on your own. 
Yeah. And now I would love for you to talk if we could, you know, both with your own family and with other clients, right? Uh, I'm guessing that most families, when you walk in there, they don't have a family vision, right? Uh, they might have some philanthropic things that they agree on where there's some giving in certain of these areas. Um, just families I've worked with, right? There's inheritance. And this is where a lot of mom and dad struggle because you know what? I want to treat the kids equal but they're not equal. They have totally different skills. Some people, if you give them a lot of money, they're going to do amazing things with it. Other people that might ruin them, or that could be your concern. And you're trying to get all of this figured out. I'd love for you to maybe just kind of walk us through the process that you did with your family and you do with other clients, because you shared some things to me that just were really exciting. Yeah, I think, you know, for families, uh, especially, you know, I think, Biggie Smalls was onto it when he said more money, more problems. Uh, there's a lot of common family dynamics, but of course, when there's significant wealth, that adds a whole other element to the big picture. So I always start with the family's desired outcomes. And that's, you know, consulting 101, but really starting with mom and dad, what are they looking for? What are their concerns? What would be ideal? You know, if they could imagine and describe 50 years from now, and if they're gone, and if the money has been passed on to the next generation, imagine and describe what a healthy functioning family looks like that has inherited that wealth. And we start from there. And part of that is almost always charitable giving. And so one of the things that we often do is, yeah, mom and dad might have their list of causes and charities, but getting the family on the same page. So in the same way that we get the mission and vision and find the commonality, understanding what it looks like for the money to have lasting impact. And that looks different for everyone. Lasting impact can mean giving it away. Lasting impact can mean having it last multiple generations. Lasting impact could mean extended family benefits. And so once we have an understanding as a family, when I'm working with a family, what that looks like, now everybody's sort of on the same page. So one example is I had a family who wanted to, you know, dad wanted to make the world a better place. Son's a challenger and just said, that, that's ridiculous. We can't make the world a better place. It doesn't matter how much money we have. So we're not aligned on what that looked like, but through a process of brainstorming and talking and finding the commonalities at the end of the day, they agreed that they want to do things that either protect the earth and protect this planet and or educate future generations. It was a process. Trust me, this did not just you know happen, but to get the family on board. And now they're like, yes, okay, we can all agree. Like those are the two things we want to focus on. And so now they're off. But I'm um, just thinking about what a gift that is, Sharon, because if if I'm like, oh, yeah, dad wants to change the world. That's stupid, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, he wants to have a family meeting about changing the world. But you go through a series of conversations and some coaching to say, okay, here's what actually what that looks like to me. Because it, it makes me think of a friend of mine, a family. One part of the family is super conservative and the other one is very liberal. Mm -hmm. And there, there was all these arguments over holidays around social justice, right? With everything that's happened the last three years. And they went through a process like this to say, okay, our values are showing up, our perception of them so differently. Mom and dad were really, you know, concerned. It feels like the kids don't even share our values. There's so many disconnects. Well, what they found was 
when they actually dug in what they wanted, there was so much overlap and people's minds were blown. And all of a sudden they were able to agree on, hey, let's just put out some of the, you know, some of our opinions on this. But what if we did this one thing together as a family that they all agreed on? Yes. And then all of a sudden they actually started getting involved with their time. They started their mantras. How do we give with velocity, scale, and impact? These are business folks. And they're like, okay, how do we apply business principles to this one idea that the whole family's kind of landed on and actually help move the needle on making it different and enroll other you know, stakeholders in the Den- were here in Denver. It was in the Denver community in this, including now they've even gotten as a family, they were got behind and, and um, lobbied and got legislation passed, which also would actually help this. It was around um, homelessness. Uh, there's a whole backstory here, but they're doing some really cool things. But it started with, here's how I would describe it. They created unity with a fa- as a family without requiring uniformity. Exactly. Yep. And that was powerful. There is a big difference. You you nailed it. And, you know, you know, and and mom and dad can go give to whatever they want to give to and put their time to whatever organizations. But when the family can find those common causes where they feel like they can have an impact and specifically agree on guidelines and criteria right? For what that looks like, you know, what are our guardrails as we're looking out into the world to find these organizations that meet our criteria? That is a whole process in and of itself. And then that lends itself to everybody feeling like they had equal say and that they're on board and that they're doing this together as a family. Yeah. So you start there and um, like what, and for you, just for your family, what are, you know, some of those uh, projects, those ideas that, that the kids came up with? Yeah. So our son wanted to explore the idea of a family bank. So what would it look like if we pulled some resources together and we use those things for vacations or, you know, interest-free loans for your first house or education, right? So his first assignment was more of a research-based assignment and then report back to the family with his findings, which he did in our Christmas meeting. So we're exploring that further. Um, I wonder he was excited for the meeting. That's yes. cool. awesome. <laughs> Our youngest daughter, she, uh, her project that she's, and again, they have to volunteer. They want to do this, right? We're not telling them. She volunteered to look into charitable organizations that met criteria that we had talked about in our family meeting, because we said we wanted to, you know, demonstrate unconditional love in the world. And so what does that look like? And so she researched and came back with like, you know, here's that or here's five organizations. And I vetted them and I looked at their you know, charity navigator and what they do and what impact they have. Our oldest daughter, um, we had talked about our family values and must haves and she's an artist. And so she created a visual representation um, and created a family shield that represents our values. And then um, our son-in-law you know, we've been talking about having a place somewhere in the world on a beach. And up until our meeting, it had been, you know, Sean was really just driving it all. And it was all his ideas. And so this at, beach place. Yeah. <laughs> Nicaragua. <laughs> uh, and so uh, we recognize that if we want our kids and grandkids and great grandkids to gather there, they better have a say on where it is. And, and you know. And so our son-in-law actually researched, um, we gave criteria, it needed to be 
near or on a beach, we needed to be able to have a positive impact in the community. And if we built something, it needed to be responsible, sustainable. And so he came up with a list of locations, you know, how stable is the government? How easy is it to get there? You know, what's the cost of living? And so they all shared their research at Christmas time. And to say that we were proud is an understatement because the work they did was incredible and, and it continues, you know, now, now that was step one. There's more work to be done on all of those. Well, first of all, I want to see his list because I'm guessing our family would love to travel <laughs> to any one of those locations. <laughs> But my goodness, like, and just think about, I'm just thinking about some of the people I know that, you know, think of a process like this and maybe you, maybe you have concerns, right? Hey, how do I treat my kids? How do I, how do I mentor the kids? Well, guess what? Until you really get to know your kids yes. and, and, and really get to know, like you talked about, you know, your, your, your oldest daughter, right? She's married now. Really, yes. you're seeing his heart. You're seeing his values. You're seeing his strength. You're, and you also see them together as a couple. Like, why is it that these two are so good together, right? Mm -hmm. And when you help build that relationship and you get to know people, you get to understand them, they do felt seen and valued. You're building the trust now, guess what? Because th this has been something challenging for my clients is I want to treat everybody equal. Mm -hmm. But I, what my opinion is you need to treat them fairly. Yes, right. love them equally. Love them, <laughs> love equally. them equally. Treat them fairly, but it might look different. Absolutely. Just like Father God does with us, right? Right. I have totally different set of giftings and skills and personality than you do, than Sean does, right? Sean has impressed me since I met him 38 years ago, <laughs> honestly. And, you know, but totally different. It's a different relationship. And, but in that, getting to know the kids, going through a process like this, you, now you can start actually having some of those conversations about if it's now generational money, you're going to get something. Well, I might have some different parameters for one of my, so I have three boys, right? Mm -hmm. I might have different parameters for one than the other. I don't know. They're, they're still, yes. you know, 25, 23, 19. So there's, you know, they're still kind of getting on their feet, but this is just laying a foundation. Um, and also through this, what I love too. Sharon, is you're bringing, you know, you're bringing the Lord into it. Like, how do we in all of this hear from God? Yes. Right. How do we partner with the Lord? And like, you know what? The Wood family, the Ramstead family, God has a, there's a reason this family exists. It, this wasn't just random chance. The reason I'm married to, you know, to Donna, the reason that I have three boys that are right. And in that God has a vision. And I think when you also bring the Lord into this process the way you do so beautifully, and you know that 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 alignment is there, right? It it and and He's speaking into what you're doing as a family and breathing into what those projects are that you're doing. Because guess what? I'll guarantee you, His the Father's joy is in this process. Mm -hmm. And when He sees the family come together, to either plan a retreat or who we're going to give to. Or a family bank because it's going to, you know, God's already going, yep, I planted that seed because you know what, Dylan, I know that five years from now, you're going to start this incredible business and the family is going to fund it because we thought about it from five years ago. And God's hands are already in all that, those kind of things, aren't they? Absolutely. And, you know, even families I work with that don't necessarily have faith, I pray for them. I pray for them before we meet while we're meeting, after we meet, because God has a vision for them too. They just may not know it yet. 
but absolutely if that's a huge part of what I do is my friend called it kingdom work and <laughs> she personally after going through part of this process with us um she ended up changing her job you know she said I'm why am I working full-time when I said my family is the most important thing to me and and so it has this like trickle down effect and it gives me great joy to see people making changes that align to who they say they want to be and who God wants them to be. So folks, legacy. So to get in touch with Sharon, everybody, generationalfamilywealth.com. Sharon Wood, but generationalfamilywealth.com. And man, I just have so much respect for what you're doing, Sharon, who you are, the work you're doing in the world. I just want to also just let everybody else out know there that not only just the work you have done, are doing, and are going to do. I'm the president of Alpha Principle. We're um, an impact investment management firm. We work with very high net worth clients and a lot of institutions, but people that are really focused on on seeing their what they have on their balance sheet from a place of stewardship. And creating a legacy and and everything Sharon talked about every family I've talked to they struggle with this so we're going to be bringing Sharon in to work with our own folks in our world so if you guys want to have a conversation with Sharon all the information is right there on the website is there any other way for people to get in touch with you Sharon yeah they can email me Sharon at generationalfamilywealth.com yep and s-h-a-r-o-n of course yes. so we have some yep. and international um, uh, Generational Family Wealth is on LinkedIn. So um, yeah, check it out. We've got lots of resources and so much more information than what we could possibly cover here in uh, in your podcast. But thank yes, you. Yes, I know. Um, so with that, as we kind of come in for a landing, so to speak, right? Just some final thoughts you want to leave with everybody, Sharon. Two thoughts. And I think we've said this quite a bit, but be intentional mm. about your legacy. And, you know, we can start with a real simple conversation about what that might look like for you and your family. Every family is different. So be intentional. And then two, don't be afraid to take some risks. Um, you know, when it comes to your living, your legacy, if God is putting something on your heart that you think you should be doing, you know, proceed wisely, but don't be afraid to listen to him and figure out what that looks like for you. You know, my first thought is maybe somebody's thinking that out, this out there, but that first risk would be pulling my crazy kids together for a family meeting. Yes. And that might feel risky. And let me ask you a question. What if you never do it? Mm, do you know that every single time I have worked with families, even after the first meeting, they say, and this is not just the parents, the kids, why didn't we do this sooner? If you don't do it, then you are leaving your family, uh, not to be too dramatic, but kind of at risk. You know, a lot of people don't like to think about what's going to happen when they're gone. In fact, so many people don't even have wills, like you mentioned at the beginning. So it's not something that people necessarily like to think about what's going to happen when I'm not here. But we're working on not just the plan for when you're gone, but your life plan for the rest of your life. What do you want mm -hmm. your family dynamics to be? What do you want to convey to, to your family, but also to the world, like that what's important to this family and what do we stand for? And so, um, yeah, I would say, don't let yourself go into auto drive, you know, be intentional. Yeah. Think about that. You take the risk to have a conversation like this 
And um, I'm just thinking of my own journey. 10 years ago, I was such a workaholic. My family dynamics were terrible. I don't know if I'd be married today if I hadn't had that accident because it just reset what's important in my life. But today, my wife is my best friend. My three boys are literally some of my best adult friends. And I didn't, in the way I grew up, I didn't think that was possible. So let me just leave you guys with that. Like, what if? Take a small step, take a small risk. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. The upside for me was beyond anything I'd actually honestly hoped or dreamed for, Sharon. So what a gift. So not only just as we're living in the present, but what this can mean. And um, you have no idea. I, I think this generation right now is, you know, I'm 55 myself, right? But our, the generation of our kids, they are being called right now in this hour to do huge things in this world. But you know what they're missing? A relationship with our generation. They're missing discipleship, mentorship, and equipping because of kind of the way they've been raised in our culture and the opportunity for us to connect and equip and and empower this generation. Whoa, talk about legacy, man. I, I could do a whole nother episode, part two, on what we just shared right there. But but Sharon, yes. thank you so much for taking the time. And it looks like you had a last thought there. I do. I wanted to mention one thing. On my website, there's a free assessment. If you're just curious in terms of where your family is right now, and it's an assessment of what's important to you and where do you think you are today? And so if you do that assessment, it will give you some perspective on some of the areas that you might want to start working on with your family. Some you might feel great about and others you might go, you know what, maybe we should explore this one a little bit. I don't feel quite as prepared in this area. So that's another easy way to just do some self-reflection first and then we can have a conversation. I love that. So guys, go to generationalfamilywealth.com. You'll see a tab up there that says resources. Click on it and then just scroll down just a little bit and you'll see where it says take our family assessment and then you can um, start from there. So Sharon, keep knocking them alive out there, my friend. You are awesome and uh, give Sean a big hug for me. I will. Thank you so much, John. 